In the many magazines I've seen over a period of time, there's one cartoon, I guess, that kind of sticks out in the mind in light of what we've been singing about. It's a case back in the first century where some Christians were meeting together and they had some new converts in the group and they were discussing the fellowship that they have, the richness of being in Christ, uh, the encouragement that they can give to each other and going along that lines and they were encouraging the young, the young Christians along the way and then finally one of them leaned over to the other and said, do you think we ought to tell them about the lions? Not all roses. Not all roses. And all the songs we've been singing, that's a reminder that was coming out to me. Stepping in the light, the footprints of Jesus, where he leads, I'll follow, one step at a time. It's nice and it's encouraging to see the, the positive side of being this child of God. Humans have a tendency of viewing things sometimes a little different than what they're actually portrayed. You've seen the, the poem, and it's been published many times. Some of you may have it in your home one place or another. Footprints in the sand. And a person looking back on his life and saw two sets of footprints, one of his and one of the Lord's. And then he made the comment, he said, no, Lord, every time I saw a very dark time in my life, I often wondered why there was only one set of footprints there. Why would you leave me in my darkest hours of need? And the Lord replied, no, my son, those were the times I carried you. We look at things differently. We need a set of footprints, but we need to be sure who said we're following. And we need to be sure why we've chosen to follow that set of prints. Another song that we sing periodically here is, I traveled a lonely road and no one seemed to care. And as that one brings out some thoughts as well, and then I heard the Lord sweetly say to me, God has not abandoned his people. And God has not promised his people a life without trials and tribulations and discouragement, but just the opposite. You're following those footprints of Jesus. Do you see them and do you stay with them? As they go through that Matthew 26, Matthew 27, Matthew 28. Do you see those times when the multitudes who said who should have been rejoicing with the top of their lungs? The Messiah is in our midst. Rejected him. Ridiculed him, mocked him, scourged him. 
Do you see that agony in the Garden of Gethsemane in Matthew 26? Do you see him lying prostrate on the ground? Sweat like drops of blood. Agony to the point of death. Beseeching his father. If if it be your will, find another way. To have known from eternity, to have known when he left the glory of heaven, to have known as he lived this life here, but not knowing that intensity of that commitment to the Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And to be able to rise up from that garden, to accept the betrayal of the of Judas and then of the religious leaders, his statement he could have called 12 legions of angels to come to his aid. And I've commented before, That's 72,000 angels, approximately. Read the Old Testament and see what one angel could do. But he did not need 72,000 angels being the Son of God. He chose that lonely road. He chose that road of betrayal by us in order to be faithful to the Father. Walk in the footprints of Jesus. Are you going to walk in those? Are you committed enough to follow those footprints? It's nice when that pathway glows. It's nice when things are going well. It's another story when it turns. And it has always turned from the days of Jesus on down. Days when Christians were received with joy and days when Christians were persecuted simply for being Christians. Paul, as he was writing to the Ephesians in that fourth chapter, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are, were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace, There is one body and one spirit. Just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. 
But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. We're not all the same. God didn't, did not intend us for us to be all the same, physically or spiritually. The same in one sense is that we believe with a full heart and the full mind what Paul was writing to the Ephesians. Those seven ones. We live in a world that again basically may on occasions acknowledge one of those seven, sometimes two of them. You push them, they may acknowledge the third one, but they're not sure about that one. They want to acknowledge that there is one God, the religious world, a religious world that claims to be Christians in a very broad sense. And they will tell you, we're all worshiping the same God and that's all that really matters. But they do not read or listen or believe the others. There was a time of you believed in the Bible, a time of you accepted Jesus as the Messiah, the Savior, that you believed that there was but one Lord. And now we live in a world that doesn't believe that any longer. There are many lords. Many ways. It's all up to the individual to do what they basically want to do. What would be pleasing in their sight? There have been groups of people who claim to be those who believe in God, who believe in the Bible, who believe in Jesus and the Holy Spirit, believe there's to be a faith, a hope, and a conviction who will move or go into a new neighborhood, a metroplex area, whatever else, and they will spend their time going around the neighborhood, knocking doors, asking people, what is it that you would want to hear from a church that we are going to establish? And then they will suit the message to what the people want to hear. There are many major religious bodies that are rewriting their songbooks, taking all those references out to the blood of Jesus because it's offensive. Blood. Washed in the blood. That's offensive to people. So just take it out. You're going to walk in the footprints of Jesus? He has a demon in him. He's doing this by the power of Beelzebub. He's, got, he's a Samaritan. And all those terms they could come up with. Derogatory terms. 
inflammatory terms. For those who should have been looking for and anticipating and longing for that Messiah. But it's a lonely road at times. But you never walk alone. God and Jesus are always walking with you. Those footprints, we have to decide which footprints we want to follow. The world says, make it easy, make it convenient, make it non threatening. Make it so it pleases us. And we have those in the Lord's body that have followed those sets of footprints and have changed what they do, how they do it, and why they do it. To hear one who had preached the gospel at one time in his purity to now preach a gospel that says, or a message, not gospel, but to preach a message now that says, baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. And it's not really important whether you're baptized or not. What set of footprints is that person following? Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. No one. To hear that one and others who at one time preached the gospel. To say that There are many ways that one can go to heaven. There's no longer an exclusive way that's antagonistic to people, that's repulsive to people, that's telling people who say they believe in God who are not following what the scriptures say that they're not going to heaven. (coughs) But as we noted this morning as well in Luke 13, verse 3 and in verse 5, I tell you that unless you repent, you're going to all likewise perish. Unless there's a repentance, a change from the religious people, that comes down to us as well. There's going to be a perishing. Simply because we've started out on those footprints doesn't mean we've stayed with them. Or that we begin to lag behind. I was going to say we don't get snow down here too often, but I've had more snow down here than I've seen some other places. You ever go out in the snow with your children when they're small? And they're following you? You're walking through the snow and you're leaving a trail, you know. And then you look back and you see your child trying to jump from footprint to footprint because your stride is a little bit different than their stride. 
And they're having to really work at that. God's stride is totally different than ours. But he does not expect us to match per se those each footprint. He matches, he challenges us to walk in the path. Follow his steps. It's going to lead to persecution. Jesus says, they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. It's going to happen. It's never pleasant when it does. But it does not change the fact that it will. It's always good and and encouraging to to read those scriptures that give us such a positive light, if you will, on Jesus and the loving of his Father, those doing of his will, to hear those statements, my meat, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. The works that I do, they're not my works. They're the works of the one who has sent me. I always do the things that are pleasing in his sight. That's positive. But always doing the things that are pleasing in his sight led to the cross. Our reminder is even those whose footprints led to the cross, they did not stop there. You have the resurrection and you have the ascension back to heaven. You have the promise. I've gone to prepare a place for you. And I will come again to receive you into myself that where I am there you may be also. I'm coming back. And then that haunting scripture in the, in the Bible. When Jesus, when Jesus returns... Will he find faith on the earth? Does that ever strike home at you? Ever kind of slap you across the face? When Jesus comes, will he find faith on the earth? We sing the song on occasions, I'll be a friend to Jesus. You need to think about that one. That when he died, he had not a friend, but I'll be a friend to Jesus. You need to think about it. You need to think why. Why did those who loved him pattern their life after him, have the power to do what he has been doing, raising the dead, healing the sick, Performing the miracles, how could they abandon him in that hour of need? Again, go back and read Matthew 26 and the parallel passages in the other Gospels as well. Look at those terms, read that description. And I've always been intrigued as well that after I read that, read that, after I read that, then to read the next statements. Jesus arose 
from his prayer to his father, said, my betrayer is at hand, let us go. And from that moment on, outside of a few other statements, from that moment on, he surrendered to the will of the Father without a word. Stand before the chief priest, stand before Felix, not Felix, stand before Pilate, and not utter a word. To have that confidence, as Pilate challenged him, do you not know that I have the power of life or death over you, and you're not going to answer me? Jesus said, you only have the power because it was given to you. And Pilate was impressed, wanted to set him free. But Pilate was weak and gave in to the crowd. But to have that attitude, that confidence, listen. There's not a thing that happens on the face of this earth that God is not aware of. There is not an emotion that you go through that God is not aware of. There's not an anxiety. There's not a troubled heart that God is not aware of. For that anxiety, for that troubled heart, does that heart know that God is aware of them? That's the life we live. Again, Paul writing to the Corinthians in the second letter, that fifth chapter, in verse 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. Drop down to verse 17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. The human heart may frail, may fail, may be frail. It may fail. That spiritual heart, oh, that spiritual heart needs to be strong. Need to have the utmost confidence that Jesus cares. He walks with me. Talks with me through the word and never leaves me alone. How can I not then say, if God be for me, what can man do to me? God is for us. It does begin with that one step, that initial step. But a walk is not an idle activity. Contradiction there, is it not? Activity, idle. A walk is an activity. Only a step 
One step at a time. It begins with that first step. But it does not end until this life has ended. And then we're ushered into eternity. Where are you this evening? Where are you in the eyes of God? Where is your faith? Where is your hope? Where is your trust? Have you taken that first step? Or do you need to renew that life, that walk again within your life? That invitation is open to you, and if you need to respond, we encourage you to come as together we stand and sing.